The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. I want to thank all the listeners. We've been getting some good uh, feedback uh, back at the station from you, and I appreciate you uh, sending along the contacts and uh, appreciate all of your, uh, your positive uh, comments. Uh, today on the show, uh, we're going to go out to the West Coast for our previews. We have nothing but graded stakes races and hopefully are going to bring home the pick three for you. And that would be the grade two Palos Verdes, followed by the grade two Arcadia, and then a race that may have a huge outcome on the Kentucky Oaks because some great, great champions have come out of this race. It's called the Lost Virginies. It's a grade one. The three-year-old fillies will be stretching out a mile. And if you think I'm kidding, listen to these names. Althea, Franz Valentine, Life at the Top, Light Light, Serena Song, Surfside, Rags to Riches, Stardom Bound, Blind Luck, and Champion Beholder. These are all fillies that came out of this one-mile race at Santa Anita. And with us to break it down is Steve Anderson. He's been with the Daily Racing Forum since 1994. He's one of my go-to guys for the West Coast. He's out there. He covers the racing. He writes the stories. He's also going to give us uh, an inside look at what's going on with, uh, with Bayern, who's had a bit of a setback, and, of course, California Chrome and Shared Belief top three-year-olds who luckily for us have stuck around as four-year-olds it's going to make for an interesting season so we'll have the daily racing form steve anderson on at the bottom of the hour and uh kicking it off after we we cover uh national news will be none other than jeff johnston you know the jockey guild just wrapped up their big meeting down in florida as always there's a new uh looks at how they can improve the health, safety, and welfare of the riders that get the game done for us, and no one better to address it uh, than Jeff will be talking about health issues and uh, some equipment issues that they've uh, found some new uh, information about. And uh, so Jeff will be with us uh, here in about 15 minutes. Just want to remind everybody that 123 Racing Pick 6 is America's newest handicapping contest style. It's a Pick 6 wager. 123 Racing is not like any other Pick 6. It's a $2 Pick 6 with a twist. 
You can win America's most exciting wager by you score points across six races to scoop up the pool. All you need to do to play at 123bet.com, and the winners are guaranteed. They're guaranteeing $100,000 in payouts. Again, the 123 Racing Pick 6, easy to remember. Play today at 123bet.com. That's 123bet.com. And, of course, you want to get your easy win forms from Winning Ponies. Be sure to go to the site. We have some new things posted and, as always, some entertaining blogs from my buddy, Ed Meyer. All right. Well, a uh, guest that we've had on Winning Ponies before is Deshaun Parker, uh, one of the leading riders in the country, a guy that kind of flies under the radar because you don't see him in graded stakes races, but he's brought home his fair share of winners. And last week, Deshaun won 10 races, including four races at Sam Houston. Now, you may know Deshaun from Mountaineer, but he tried this last year, and it was very successful going out to Sam Houston. And uh, he decided to do it again. Uh, Deshaun is a pretty interesting individual. He was a standout athlete when he played in Cincinnati. He's now, this is hard to believe, he's 44 years old. Uh, But last week earned just short of $100,000. If you like a return on your investment, you bet Deshaun last week the ROI was $7.54. Of course, we've also had his father, Daryl Parker, on, who was the first African-American hired to be an official in the United States. That went back to 1986. And if you're looking for Deshaun in the paddock, he's kind of easy to find. He's 5'11", but the way that he wraps himself Around a horse is unbelievable. Obviously, gets a lot of run out of him. He's won more than 4,700 races. So uh, congratulations to Deshaun Parker. And while we're giving him a smile, booze go out to Ramon Chapa. Uh, again, he has to have his day in court, but he's been charged with a felony by the Harris County District Attorney in connection with his alleged use of an illegal device. If you go online, the photo from Cody Photography does not lie. There's certainly something in his hand, and it sure doesn't look like a toothbrush. He's 43 years old. He's already uh, had two chances after charges similar to this to come back into the sport. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see what comes out of this. But right now, his case is in court, and it's not at the hand of the state stewards. So uh, part of the the, the gain that uh, we're, not, we're not crazy to see or talk about, but obviously uh, it's still part of uh, a nefarious underbelly that should be taken to court and should be taken care of. All right, well, we all know champion Royal Delta. Well, she's got a half-brother that's pretty impressive. Came out in his career debut. His name is Kozan, and he drew off to win by three and a quarter lengths back on the 24th and uh, just looked awful good. Obviously, his pedigree says that uh, he's going to go on to be a good one, being half-brother to three-time Eclipse champion and two-time Breeders' Cup Ladies' Distaff winner, Royal Delta. Of course, uh, didn't come cheap. 
was purchased for a million dollars at the Fasting Tipton two-year-old in training sales. And uh, Todd Pletcher has him in his barn, and uh, they felt positive coming into the race off his works, but uh, they're looking forward to getting him started. He was very, very happy, and they think the logical move is to come back in an allowance race going longer, and uh, it'll be very interesting to see just how far his rich bloodlines do, in fact, take him. Well, uh, last week we uh, we did have our friend Mr. Moomy on who did not get it. It was a different Irishman named O'Neill that took home the National Handicapping uh, Championship, but uh, nonetheless some very uh, in- interesting races. And as this week we're concentrating on Santa Anita, last week we concentrated on Gulfstream Park. The key race, of course, was the Holy Bull that is part of the championship series races for the Kentucky Derby. And it was Upstart who easily won by five and a half lengths. It is a New York bred, but that just doesn't matter anymore. The purses are so good in New York, you got to throw out that New York bread and you can't poo-poo them. Uh, they're running great races all over. Now, Upstart's last start, was in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, where he ran third to Texas Red and Carpe Diem. Uh, Horses were waiting to be unveiled yet as three-year-olds. But upstart, uh, again, trained by Richard Violet, who's a trainer that's been with us here on Winning Ponies, was very, very impressive. Uh, Did win the restricted funny side as a two-year-old and then was second in the grade one champagne uh, to Daredevil. In this race, second was another New York horse in from Aqueduct as a two-year-old, finished the season with a game second-place finish in the Remsen, and that was Frosted, who was the three-to-two favorite in the Holy Bull, and rounding it out was Bluegrass Singer, horse with a whole lot of speed, led most of the way, but did get caught. So upstart is going to be one you're going to watch on the Derby Trail. Then we're talking three-year-old fillies that uh, are starting to stretch out. This was a seven-furlong race, so we'll have to see where they go. It was the forward gal, and the winner in here was Bird at the Wire, 12-1, to overlooked, trained by Dale Romans. Uh, he went to the sales ring and got this one at Fazig Tipton in October for 23000 and Bird at the Wire, very impressive in the forward gal. In the uh, second uh, spot, was last of the Mohicans, another price horse at 11 to 1. And third was the horse that Mr. Moomy liked. He thought it was going to be a bigger price, went off at 7 to 2, and it was Taylor S. So Taylor S. got the third place spot in the forward. Gale will see if those Phillies take a step up against their own. Uh, as time progresses and distances go longer. And then the grade three Hutchinson. Again, the Hutchinson is another one of those races that's, that's a sprint on the, uh, on the Florida circuit. And uh, we'll see where these horses go as far as stretching out is concerned. But uh, Barbados was the heavy, heavy favorite at three to five. He stalked the pace. He won only by a half a length, but it was under a very confident hand ride. Uh, 
trained by Mike Tomlinson. Uh, this horse uh, had won the spectacular bit at Gulfstream. i got to think this horse is going to be pointing to the Florida Derby after this. Uh, has a street cry on the bottom, Spitestown on the top. Uh, so Barbados, one to watch, a three-year-old colt on the Derby Trail. And the second spot was XY Jet, who was the speed all the way around and uh, did get caught in third at 40 to 1 was a horse by the name of Big Family. So the Holy Bull was the uh, only points race last week for the Derby. There isn't one this week, but following next week, we're going to go to Aqueduct and look at the Withers and Santa Anita, the Robert B. Lewis, because both of those are championship stakes races on the Derby Trail. Okay, well, in uh, California Cup Derby, it was Mischief Clem getting the job done at 11-1. to 1. It was an upset after dueling the length of the stretch with Paul Morak. Uh, Kent DeSormo had the ride on Mischief Clem for trainer Bob Hess. Uh, that, again, happened last week. And then uh, the, in the Cal Cup Oaks, it was Singing Kitty, who put in a powerful stretch run under Aaron the Grider Rider at odds of 15 to 2 to win by a length over the favorite Heat the Rocks got the mile on a firm turf in 135.7. Well, that's a look at uh, last week's happenings. Just one more comment I want to make. A shout out to Jenny Reese. Uh, I was honored to be at her induction to the National Museum of Racing and the Hall of Fame Joe Hirsch Media Roll of Honor. So Jenny Reese, who's been a multiple guest on Winning Ponies, uh, was down at the Thoroughbred Club of America yesterday. Uh, fantastic group of people. Uh, all the writers uh, from the Louisville Courier-Journal were there. Tom Meeker, the former president of Churchill Downs, was there. Ed Edward Bowen, who's been a top man at so many thoroughbred publications, uh, actually gave her the, the, the award. Uh, it was just a, a sensational day. It was a beautiful, sunny day down in Lexington, and uh, the uh, sun shined on the face of Jenny Reese. Again, I want to congratulate her. Uh, she is now in the National Museum of Racing and Hall of Fame for the Joe Hirsch Media Roll of Honor. Her presentation was just fantastic. Her address to the audience, so uplifting. There were so many people she thanked. And let me tell you, as someone that's known her personally for on about 30 years, it couldn't have happened to a more talented writer and somebody we really need to appreciate in the sport. All right, well, that pretty much rounds it out. Another guy we need to appreciate in the sport uh, is jockey, former jockey Jeff Johnston, who now works with the Jockeys Guild. We're going to take a little bit of a break. When we come back, we're going to be talking to Jeff Johnston. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. From high school to the pros, we, we cover, everything. cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? 
you can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Introducing the 123 Racing Pick 6, America's newest and most exciting wager. It's the bet that puts you in the race. Win the new $2 wager by scoring points across six races to scoop the national pool. If you love handicapping contests, you'll love 123 Racing. Compete against America on track and online now. Pools are open at 123bet.com. This month, there are $100,000 in guaranteed payouts. Learn more and wager now at 123bet.com. That's 123bet.com. Licensed and regulated in the USA. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me right now is Jeff Johnston, no stranger to the audience at Winning Ponies. He's been on several times. He's my go-to guy about questions about the jockey's guild. Uh, he uh, wrapped up a 20-year career as a jockey uh, based primarily in Kentucky, Ohio, but he came to us from out in the bush tracks in Iowa uh, where he, he, he rode uh, uh, the, the, the hard-knuckle circuit, won his first race in Hastings, Nebraska at Queen City Downs. He's from Iowa. Uh, he has a bachelor's degree in business and equine administration from the University of Louisville. And I now lives in a little place called Warsaw, Kentucky. He's got a beautiful spread, a beautiful family. And Jeff Johnston, great to have you back with us here on Winning Ponies. Thanks, thanks, John. Well, well you just had the 2015 uh, Jockey Skilled Assembly, and uh, obviously there were you know a lot of highlights in there. Uh, I know a good time had by all. You couldn't have it in a nicer place down in Florida. I understand weather was good. Uh, but certainly the backbone uh, for discussion at the 2015 Jockeys Guild Assembly was the welfare and safety uh, of the riders. And uh, I know that that's foremost in what you do. Um, what, what's kind of impressive in what you do is the, you being the Midwest Regional Manager for the Jockeys Guild, you not only cover most of the states in the Midwest, but you've also got signed New York and New Jersey. They got you spread pretty thin. Uh, what do you see from, from, from state to state? I, I know you, you've been involved in it now for, for several years. Um, are you seeing a positive response to the Guild? I know that you've, you've had to be in some challenges, you know, and you get you, you know, tracks don't always just want to acquiesce to uh, to what the jockeys wants. But do you feel that things are going in the right directions for jockeys' rights at, at most of the states? 
Well, it's, it's definitely improving. We've come a long way in the last few years. And, and let me say, the, the theme this year at our assembly was this is the Jockeys Guild 75th anniversary. So we had past presidents in attendance. Pat Day, Jerry Bailey were both there. A previous national manager, John Giovanni, was there. We brought together the people of the past and the people of the present, and we discussed, you know, what have we been through, what are we going through now. And, you know, the story is still about the same. We're still, the main focus is still on safety. And, and a lot of the, the, the presenters we had at the meeting uh, were focused on safety. Um, a lot of stuff we're doing, you know, the, the same problems are still there. We're still worried, concerned about the, the mount fees, and we're still concerned about um, the track ambulances, and we're still concerned about um, the track surfaces and the vets and the, and the, the pre- and aftercare and, you know, everything that goes into the thing. Um, but, you know, our recent focus has been on helmets. And we had uh, and concussions, as as in any sport, as in football and baseball yeah. and hockey and all you know all these things are looking at concussions and how they they can affect the athletes later in their life. So we had a presenter on a professional, one of the the innovators in concussions at, from the University of Pittsburgh, uh, come in and specifically he he wanted to discuss the importance of diagnosis. And, you know, so many times these guys go down, every day you see somebody going off, and they get up and they say they're fine. Well, are they fine or are they not? And, you know, a lot of times it's left up to them, but we really need to focus on some type of protocol. So there's some easy tests out there, the SCAT-2 or SCAT-3 tests that that paramedics or, or medical staff can do on track to say, okay, this guy's fine, or this guy, maybe he's not fine, and he needs to go in for, you know, at least take off his mouth today, come in tomorrow and be reassessed. The importance, going back to the rider, in that if he is concussed or has a slight concussion even, that the fear is if he goes down again, that that, that increased damage can, can really cause, um, you know, a lot of problems for him. So if he takes a couple days off, a couple weeks off, he's probably going to be fine. He's going to recover fully. If he goes ahead and rides the next race or the next day or or even a couple days after and goes down again, you know, that injury could be traumatic. So we really wanted to get uh, stress the focus of of concussion, get tracks on board, get uh, medical providers on board, get the jockeys on board to say, hey, you know, if I go down, let's, Let's step, take a step back and see if I'm okay or if I'm not. Well, Jeff, that was going to be my next question, is getting the jockeys on board. Because these guys are tougher than a nickel stake. And over my years of going to the racetrack, I don't know how many times I've seen riders go down that I swore their next mount was going to be on a stretcher going to the hospital. And a race or two later, I'll see them back up on the horse. Um, how are you going to get this message to them? And let's face it, Jeff, you know what it's like. You rode for 20 years, especially if you know that that mount coming up in the eighth race, you're probably sitting on a winner. You don't want to lose a a winning mount because a lot of times a trainer or an owner will want to stick with the guy that wins with them next. Um, How can you get to the riders to say, whoa, boys, I know this might cost you $100 or whatever, but it could also cost you your future. How are you going to be able to uh, get in the jocks room and address that? Uh, Well, that's a big obstacle for us. And, uh, you know, as in other sports, if if they have to sit out, they're still getting a salary. And and when you're a jockey, if you sit out the next race, you don't get paid. So it's it's a huge obstacle for us. 
it, it's really going to come down to, I mean, if you've got a guy who's got a great career going, you have to stress to him, look, you might give up that, that winner in the next stake race or allowance race or claiming race, but if, if something happens, you're going to give up your whole career. And then you have to look at your family and your friends and your support system to say, you know, let's not think about me for a while, let's think about them. And, and really step back. And that's what I said. If we put protocols in place that, that there's a quick system, a quick um, evaluation that medical staff can do to at least eliminate the red flags and say, okay, you know, you're probably okay. You go ahead. I, I feel fairly confident that you can go out and ride. But if that red flag comes up in that test, you're going to say, hey, you know, you really need to consider not going out there again, at least until you, you know, we'll take the test again. And that's one of the things we're doing. And the Jockey Club has been a huge help uh, with this. They've paid for, we've put in place um, uh, some baseline concussion tests that the guys can take. So they kind of know where they are before they go out. If they go down, they can do the SCAT test. Uh, If the the medical provider says, hey, you know, know, there's a red flag came up, they can go and take the the impact test again, and say so they you know that's not going to help them that day. If they're off that day, then they're going to miss that next race. But it might be the next day. You know, if that's on a Friday and Saturday, they've got a few stakes to ride. At least they can take that test and say, you know, okay, I'm I'm going to truly step back and evaluate myself and say, should I be out there today, um, or should it not? And it's not only their safety, but the safety of others. If they're not you know their balance isn't there. Their head isn't right, and they really—they're—they're sh- they're not only putting themselves at risk, but they're putting others at risk. Well, uh, a friend of ours that's uh, been on Winning Ponies, and he just won an Eclipse Award. Frank Angst uh, wrote a story recently, and uh, he, he said our go-to guy on this is Jeff Johnson from the Jockey Guild, and that's uh, the fact that we have now found out that. Someone that's been in a spill that's involved a head injury that uh, unless they change helmets, there's a good chance that uh, they're not going to be as well protected the next time they go down. Well, and, and that's true. And, and we did we recently did. You know, they, the Jockey Guild the last few years have been highly involved in the ASTM, which is the American Society for Testing Materials. They create standards for helmets, not only for equestrian helmets, but for, you know, workers' helmets, baseball, football. Well, football is mostly noxy, but hockey. Um, all these different helmet manufacturers go to these to create standards for their different sports. And we've been involved in that process. And we, in the last meeting we went to, uh, we, we got word that the European standard was no longer going to be on the books in Europe. And it turns out that it might be more of a political issue and that the standard is fine. But when we, when we heard that, we said, hey, what's going on? Do we need, because we allow those helmets here. And we said, we need to look and make sure that the helmets that are being used there, that that standard is no longer going to be accepted, whether that's going to affect the safety of our guys here. So we took, we did some, we took some helmets up. Um, to a testing lab in Maryland and basically said, okay, let's test these helmets that meet the European standards and test them to the American standards to see how they compare. And thankfully, all those tests came back that all of those European helmets um, successfully passed the ASTM 
standards too. It turns out that all those standards bodies are uh, uh, pretty close to each other. So a helmet is a helmet, whether it costs $80 or $1,100, they all perform adequately on the high-end falls. But what we've also seen, and there's some studies that show that maybe those helmets don't perform very well on the low-impact falls, which is what the jockeys are mainly hitting when they're hitting the dirt or the turf or the synthetic surfaces, those helmets may not be providing very much uh, protection at all. So a couple things came out of that study. One is we know that any time a helmet goes off, it's going to be damaged. Now, and that may, may not be damaged enough that the guy shouldn't wear it the next time, but in a severe fall, it certainly is. And you can't always see that the damage is there. The helmet, we tested a helmet um, four times until the point of failure. The helmet still looked brand new. If it would have still had the tags on it, they could have put it back in the box and sold it new off the shelf. So <laughs> we alerted our riders that, hey, you know, you just can't look at your helmet. If you go off a horse, just know that the helmet's damaged. If you go off a few times in the same helmet, it's gonna, the damage is going to increase. And you always need to um, get rid of that helmet in the case of a severe fall. We also found that um, there are some aftermarket products. Um, They're being used quite often now in football that you can put a cap on underneath your helmet and increase the the support that it gives. All I can say is you've... You've done a sensational job. I've watched you over the years. I've, I've known you for many. And uh, they got the right guy doing the right job uh, for the Jockey Guild. And I'm going to have to have you back on. It looks like I'm, I'm running out of time. But I, I just want to say that uh, I appreciate you being on and that uh, I will always continue my efforts at whatever track I'm at uh, to uh, uh, support the uh, Permanently Disabled Jockeys Fund, as I know many other checks tracks have done and uh you know nancy lasala does a great job and my hat's off to you and all the people uh at the jockey guild thanks john all right we've been talking with jeff johnston our regional manager of the jockey guild we're going to take a little bit of a break here and we come back we're going to talk to my go-to guy out on the west coast steve anderson's going to break down some great races at santa anita you're listening to winning ponies The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Introducing 
The one, two, three racing pick six. America's newest and most exciting wager. It's the bet that puts you in the race. Win the new $2 wager by scoring points across six races to scoop the national pool. If you love handicapping contests, you'll love one, two, three racing. Compete against America on track and online now. Pools are open at one, two, three bet.com. This month, there are $100,000 in guaranteed payouts. Learn more and wager now at 123bet.com. That's 123bet.com. Licensed and regulated in the USA. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me now, again, one of my go-to guys uh, for people west of the Mississippi, Steve Anderson, who's been with the Daily Racing Forum since 1994. Uh, like Jeff Johnston, he started out in quarter horse racing. Uh, his background was in California, New Mexico. He grew up in Dallas, was with the Dallas Morning News Sports Department, and then uh, started uh, working his way as a publicity director at Rudioso Downs and. 1989, and right now, if you want to read something about what's happening out on the West Coast, Steve Anderson's the guy that's got the coverage. We're happy to have him with us here today. Steve, welcome to Winning Ponies. Good evening. Thank you very much. Well, uh, Steve, before we get on to, uh, you know, handicapping the races, which is uh, something I want to do, um, there's... uh, a lot going on out on the West Coast, and I'm thinking that you've probably uh, got a good idea uh, of the uh, development of several horses out there and perhaps the situation of one. So let me start with the situation of Bayern. Where is he in his training? Uh, what was his setback, and perhaps where is he pointed? Well, he had a foot issue. That was described as a quarter crack and a foot abscess, alternatively by Baffert. And it cost him uh, quite a bit of training time here in January. He had the last recorded workout on January 3rd. He was meant to work on January 10th, the Saturday, but didn't do so. And that's now almost three weeks ago. So, therefore, his chances of running in the February 7th San Antonio Stakes had slowly evaporated over the second half of the month. He was limited to jogging for quite a while. And is now back to galloping, at least. So, perhaps he's closer to a breeze of three furlongs or so. So, it's probably... Uh, kind of ruined his winter in a small way because, like I say, the San Antonio was out. San Antonio was considered a vital race for him in the sense that that would be a prep race for the Dubai World Cup on March 28th. And Baffert hasn't really addressed his alternative plans yet. I think he wants to see how that foot responds and if it is, in fact, an issue behind the horse or whether he's going to have to be cautious about how he treats that horse and its foot over the next few weeks. Well, uh, you know, certainly uh, Baffert, he's, uh, he's, he's loaded for bear, and we'll be looking at several of his horses as we look at these races coming um, up in the, the Santa Anita races we're going to look at. Uh, now let's talk about uh, the big horse, the Eclipse Award winner, who really, I don't know if he surprised you, but uh, the, the number of votes that he got for Horse of the Year I thought was kind of overwhelming. 
I was too. I thought it would be a little close to competition. I actually thought Byron would get a lot more support than he did. He ranked bad third in the list, uh, which sort of caught me off guard. But uh, there was a lot of support for California Chrome, and uh, he, he was a worthy champion. It's been fascinating to watch him work over the last month. His workouts at Los Alamitos have been so easy that it's spooky. You wonder if he's going to be ready for shared belief on February 7th in the San Antonio Stakes. And if he is doing this well, then Art Sherman's assessment is accurate that this horse is, in fact, going to the top of the game right now. Now, do you do you get a chance to actually watch him, or do you watch it on video? I mean, no, I, I know there. you're out on the West Coast. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's something that I conveniently to my uh, my my where I live and, and the race course is actually about 20, 20 minutes away maximum. So I, I've been able to go over and watch him train and, and work out over the course of the last uh, year since he developed into a, a contender for the Triple Crown and, and as a, as an older three year old. So I've, I've had a pretty good chance to watch him grow up, so to speak. And it's what he's been doing in the last several Saturdays and last several weeks. It's really been astonishing. Victor Espinosa has been riding him regularly in workouts, and he doesn't let him run, and he still records really quick times. Uh, the last one was a little slower than they wanted, a buck forty-one for a mile, but again, there was no emphasis placed on, on any speed, and he was just literally doing a very strong gallop. And uh, it's it's you know it's going to be interesting to see how that translates into a, a 2015 debut on February 7th. Oh, that's got a group be. be uh be great. I mean, uh, uh, people that are in the racing game that still get to write about it, um, being up close and personal and having that chance to actually, uh, on a casual basis, watch a champion train. It's very similar to five years ago with Zenyatta. You do become basically the eyes and ears for an adoring public. And Bill Mack once said about the Kentucky Derby winners, is that as soon as they win the Kentucky Derby, they become national pets. And in a way, I can understand fully his point of view because these horses have a following that may not necessarily translate into betting handle, certainly doesn't translate into on-track attendance, but the awareness is profound. If I mention California Chrome in a casual setting to people who are not racing people and may not even be sports fans, the awareness is, is immediate. Well, absolutely. Well, uh, you know, among the many jobs I have, um, on, on Wednesday nights I host a, a trivia contest at a local Irish pub, and uh, it, it's for college kids. And last night I said, you know, who won last year's Kentucky Derby? And to a table, they said California Chrome. So obviously, you know, it's great to see him making an impression on a whole other generation, which is you and I know is what we need to keep us employed. That's true. By the way, email me that address. I want to come to that party sometime. <laughs> it's that a good one. Flanagan's Pub in Dayton, Ohio. They they usually set the state record on St. Patrick's Day, and I've been the uh, house photographer for thirty years. So there's a whole lot of stories I can't tell you. But <laughs> from there, um, how about a, another horse who's just been sensational, and the way that Jerry Hollendorfer ha- has brought along shared belief. I think this is a horse that that could potentially be. Uh, looked at as in the eyes of perhaps a John Henry down the road since he's a gelding. Uh, what are your impressions of, of shared belief in his development now that uh, he's back at the races as a four-year-old? My initial reaction to his win in the Malibu Stakes on December 26th at seven furlongs was, was slightly negative in the sense that he had to work very hard to win. Um, but now I'm beginning to believe that distance is now below his optimum trip. And I think he's more now, truly, as he gets older, more of a mile on eight to a mile on 
mile and a quarter type horse. So therefore, I think he was outside of his, his comfort range when he won that race. But what's taken place at Golden Gate Fields over the last several weeks on Tuesdays and Wednesdays is a sequence of very quick workouts on a synthetic track that does not frequently produce fast times. For example, uh, yesterday, shared belief for six furlongs in one minute, uh, 111 80, 111 and four. Well, that's almost unheard of there. Ch- race, uh, workout times there tend to be 113. He was 113 and one for his preceding six furlong work and all the rest of the runners up there. And we must consider that the stock there is not that great is 114 and up for their six furlong workout. So he's doing wow. things now that have given that, yeah, he's given doing things now that have given Hollendorfer an intense amount of confidence going up against California Chrome in two weeks, in, in a week. So I think he's coming up to it at his A game. It's not very often that we get these matchups where everything looks like it's lining up correctly for two major runners who probably won't meet again. This is just a good guess until the, until the last of August. Um, my, my forecast is California Chrome goes to Dubai. Shared belief stays in California and runs into Sandy to handicap. If that takes place, then, you know, California Chrome, typical of so many Dubai runners, won't race again until July. You can almost envision that San Diego handicap on the new dirt track at Del Mar in, uh, on, on the second last weekend of July would be his coming back race from Dubai because that would give him time to acclimate, time to rest, and and then have you know build back up in the training. So that's what makes this San Antonio stakes so exciting next week is that these two runners, who only we met once, that was in the controversial Breeders' Cup Classic, are going to be oh, yeah. at each other again. So that's uh, well, we're, we're talking with Steve Anderson, uh, our West Coast go-to guy uh, from the Daily Racing Forum, and uh, there's some very interesting races uh, coming up at Santa Anita. Uh, let's see if I can get one under the wire before we go to our first break, but um, I, I don't want to use the Palos Verdes because that is a really strong. Uh, let's go. If it's okay with with you, Steve, can, can we look at the uh, the Grade Two Arcadia? Uh, we're talking a one mile on the grass. Uh, some horses here, as all three races, uh, very hard to separate. Um, you've got uh, Kagan, if I'm saying it wrong, who's coming off the Sea Biscuit win. Za Approval, who I really liked in the Fort Lauderdale Gulfstream, uh, but uh, just kind of got fanned out on the turn and didn't show up. And uh, the, the uh, looks like ever-improving Avizare and the French-bred Talco. Again, this race is on the turf. So i got about two minutes. Let's take a stab at this one. You, do you got uh, any uh, insight to any of the horses, whether I mentioned them or not? He did, and yes and no, actually. Kagan is, is one to follow. He ran very well in the seat biscuit after having some mixed form in the in, in the autumn. He was behind the wise stand at Keeneland. He was second to trade storm in the Woodbine Mile, and he was uh, mid-pack in the Breeders' Cup Mile, which was a, a kind of a nod race this year, but he, he rebounded to win the seat biscuit very smartly with a wide rally. Troy Nakatani this morning, speaking to him for an article in, in Saturday's Daily Racing Forum, said that the old pro made him look good, and but he, one thing he emphasized was that he thought Kagan in Saturday's Arcadia Stakes is not a, a deep come from behind her. He's a horse that can be tactical and a horse that can, that can adapt to circumstances. Uh, El Nino Tarable, who is a South American horse, has been running in California for a year, is going to try the turf in this race. 
So we'll see how he does. He'll set the pace. Um, I think that Home Run Kitten is a, is a four-year-old to follow. He has uh, won the Eddie D stakes down the hill at Santa Anita in September. He was, uh, I believe, 10th, beaten four lengths in the uh, 11th, beaten four lengths by Bobby's Kitten in the turf sprint on the Breeders' Cup program. Then he ran a very, very good second in the Mathis Brothers Mile, a grade two for three-year-olds on December 26th. Important to note that he was, he was closing very well and was just beaten the neck by a horse called Alert Bay, who came back last Saturday at Santa Anita to win the California Cup Turf Classic for his fifth consecutive stakes win in, in two countries and three states, actually, because he wow. did two in Canada. Two in Canada, one at Sea Park, and now two at Santa Anita. So he, even though it was a Cal, California bred race, it was a very nice performance by Alert Bay, and it, and it really flatters the form that Home Run Kitten showed. Home Run Kitten's going to come from off the pace. Joe Talamo rides him. He's well-drawn, and he's a danger in this field as well. Uh, it would be easy to support Kagan off of his win in the Seabiscuit Stakes. He ran very well uh, in that performance. Talco, I'm very disappointed in. I thought he would do better in the Mathis Brothers, and he didn't He didn't perform very well. So I'm afraid that next time that, that Talco wins, he'll win without my support because I think I need to see it now to believe it. But with his <laughs> approval, as you mentioned, he is one who also is, is quite nice, But and he said he didn't have the – didn't have a really good run in the uh, Gulfstream Park race in the Fort Lauderdale. And then that was his first start for Mark Cassie. The horses run well at Santa Anita in the past. He was second in the Breeders' Cup to, to Wise Dan uh, going back a, a few years. And Evan, Evan Zari is a nice developing horse for Tom Proctor, whose barn has been a little cold over the last six months in major stakes. And he hasn't really had the success in the second half of 2013 that he had in the first half of, of, of 2014 that he had in the, in the first half of 2014. But that could change quickly. And he and Gary Stevens are such a nice team that, that you could easily support Avanzari in this, uh, in this Arcadia State. All right, some great betting opportunities for uh, the listeners of Winning Ponies. We're talking to Steve Anderson from the Daily Racing Forum. When we come back, the first race we're going to address uh, has uh, – Kentucky Oaks influence and an amazing history of fantastic fillies that has run in it. It is the Las Virgenies. It's a grade one, and you are listening to Winning Ponies. We'll be right back after this break. school to the pros we we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Introducing the 123 Racing Pick 6, America's newest and most exciting wager. It's the bet that puts you in the race. Win the new $2 wager by scoring points across six races to scoop the national pool. If you love handicapping contests, you'll love 123 Racing. Compete against America on track and online now. Pools are open at 123bet.com. 
this month. There are $100,000 in guaranteed payouts. Learn more and wager now at 123bet.com. That's 123bet.com. Licensed and regulated in the USA. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. And with Steve Anderson from the Daily Racing Forum out on the West Coast, uh, we're going to look at a race that I hope I pronounce right, the Las Virgini, Virginis. <laughs> did I say it right? Virginis? You did fine. Yeah, the Las Virginis. The Virginis. Well, uh, did a little homework on this horse, uh, horse race, and the three-year-old fillies that have come out of this are phenomenal, and I'll just run them off real quick, uh, the ones that come to the top. Althea, Franz Valentine, Life at the Top, Light Light, Serena's Song, Surfside, Rags to Riches, Stardom Bound, Blind Luck, Beholder. What a launching board for unbelievable fillies. This race is the one-mile race at Santa Anita. Steve, who knows who's going to come out of this? And let me tell you, all we can say is that it looks like Jerry Hollendorfer has hedged his bet. Uh, he has five entered. You're going to tell us soon that one may be out. Baffert and Cassie both have two, but uh, this is certainly an amazing springboard to uh, the Kentucky Oaks or a three-year-old championship. Yeah, very much so. Now, Hollendorfer has five entered. However, Glory might not run. She's a maiden who's drawn a maiden winner who's drawn the rail, and there's contemplation about withdrawing her for another race. So that would still even with four, four very good fillies. And uh, Lucine Bell's an interesting filly. She won the Blue Northern Stakes on turf. She's growing up a little bit for him, and I think there's some hope that she can show continued improvement in this, which is the most important race for career. Uh, there will be some support from Majestic Presence, who was fourth in the Los Alamitos Starlet Stakes last month, and I think she's a filly who, uh, who can be a little bit better. She hasn't done as well in the major races, such as the, the Chandelier or the Rear Scope Juvenile Phillies, uh, compared to some others, but I do believe that she's, she's a quite nice filly. Look out for Maybelline, trained by Baffert. She uh, was, was a nice second in the Desi Arnaz Stakes at uh, Del Mar back in... Uh, back in uh, uh, November. And then and she also ran very well in, in, the, in, the, in the Starlet Stakes at Lothal and was third in that field. That was a, a pretty good race won by Take Charge Brandy, as you may recall. So Baffert's got a nice uh, established filly in Maybelline and a very nice up-and-coming filly in Callback also in the field. I think it's probably the best betting race of the stakes races at Santa Anita on Saturday because it's so doggone wide open. You can argue for about six of them, and the person you're talking to can't necessarily criticize your choice. Well, uh, it, it, it's hard to say, uh, to, to zoom in on any one choice in here. And uh, you said uh, hit on some interesting points. There, there's one angle I've always liked in racing, and that's when a trainer makes an equipment change and a horse has a huge work after. Callback, while distance is a question, blinkers off Baffert, comes back with this work, best of 51 on the day. It's just it's an angle where I've 
cashed a lot of bets. Um, then, then you've got, uh, as you pointed out, a Lutine Bell who's won at the distance, but uh, you know maybe a grass race. We'll find out if Hollendorfer wants to find out what's going on. And uh, I see that we got. Uh, I guess Mike Smith might be left out in the cold if Glory does not go in. And uh, uh, Dylan Van Dyke, who just won the Eclipse Award, congratulations for Top Apprentice on Achiever's Legacy. Um, but all I can say is I'm sure Majestic Presence is awful glad that Take Charge Brandy is at Oakland Park and not at Santa Anita. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be helpful to have her out of the picture and tucked away in the Oakland Park races um, because uh, we don't really have in Southern California, speaking on a provincial basis, a standout Philly in this division, as, you, as we've described in this race. But if you go back to the summer, it was uh, it was it was Wesley Ward had the leading Philly and there wasn't really a dominant horse and through this and that way. And, you know, usually typically California coming out of Delmore going into Santa Anita's autumn meeting has one or two, uh, two year old Phillies that are in the national discussion. And this year that didn't take place. The strength has been in the Colts division and, uh, and therefore, you know, that group's been much brighter from a national point of view. So even though it's almost February 1st, it's time for these California based three year old Phillies to kind of sort themselves out and so that people can kind of assess who they fancy in the Kentucky Oaks build-up. But it really is. I mean, you heard the litany of amazing fillies that I read off that have used this race as as a springboard. And, again, um, it, it is a mile. I'm looking at horses that have had success. i got to think if I'm going to, to the betting window uh I'm really kind of maybe moving towards Maybelline. I'm a huge fan of Rafael Bayerano. Of course, Bob Baffert's uh, enough said. Um, so I'm kind of leaning a little bit towards her. And, uh, you know, it, it's just it's, it's hard to leave out majestic presence because of the competition she's run against. Well, I agree with you. Maybelline will probably be the – she's a 3-1 to favorite on the morning line. A majestic presence is 7-2. to two. So that's what John White, the oddsmaker, did, and he left them really close together. But you can you can envision that that could be flipped by the, by the betters that they might prefer majestic presence ever so slightly. But it's very very close between the two. Well, I I hate to be chalky, but all I can say is I can <laughs> I, I I'm a master of the obvious, Steve. <laughs> that's, that's all I can say. Um, well, uh, let's. Uh, Start off this pick three at Santa Anita with some of the fastest horses in the country, uh, Palos Verdes. If I'm saying that right, I'm not a West Coast guy, and I don't know. You're okay. Uh, okay. Well, you know, you know, this race has got some history. I mean, Crozier won it in '62. Native Diver, back-to-back wins in the in the mid '60s, and for a race that only has six horses in it, this is extremely hard to separate. I mean, this. Distinctly, Passion, the inside horse, has only been off the board one time in its last 11 starts, and from those starts has all six of its career wins. Uh, Big Mocker, the best thing he ever got was gelded. Uh, had a, after he got gelded, he won all of his career races, six wins. Then you've got Conquest Two-Step, who's coming out of an extremely game race in the Grade 1 Malibu uh, to shared belief. And Secret Circle, hey, what can you say about this? Well, you know, I know he's had some uh, years where he's uh, had some setbacks, but he's always been one of the fastest horses in training. He's now six. Uh, but is an earner over $2.4 million. So, again, in a, in a field of six, how the heck do you separate these? 
it's difficult. And man, also remember Wild Dude won this race last year, and he's very good off of a, off of a layoff. So he's one that, even though he hasn't had a recent start, deserves a lot of credit. It really kind of comes down to whether or not Mike Smith, on Distinctive Passion, can get that can get that horse to be as patient as he was last time. And that may sound crazy when you realize that the horse went a half mile in 42.99 seconds in the six and a half long midnight loop and still quarter horse the walk. Yeah, it is. It's 8.70 time. And uh, walked out of the winner's circle with, uh, with Smith afterwards, and it was the first time Smith had ridden the horse, and I said, that was fascinating to see how fast he went, and yet he still had something finished. And Mike's response was, was unique. I hadn't heard this before. He said, the thing that amazed him was that even though they were going such terrific fractions, that the horse seemed to have something within him. He was very relaxed. It's almost as if in his, now that he's in his later years a little bit, he can go that quickly and not be, not be exhausted by the time they get to the eighth pole. And if that's the case, then this backing up in distance from six and a half in the midnight loot to six furlongs in the Palace Verdes might work for distinctive passion because it's evident that if you try to go with him, he'll probably outrun you. He'll probably be his own worst enemy if he's beaten. He'll just go too quickly and put out too much effort. And then, you know, like we've mentioned, such runners such as Big Mocker, Wild Dude, and Secret Circle are going to be waiting for him. Even Conquest Two-Step. So that's something that's going to be interesting. Baffert's putting blinkers on Secret Circle. He was a very poor fourth at 3-10 to 10 behind Midnight, behind, behind Distinctive Passion in the Midnight Loot Stakes. Big Mocker was entered for the Cal Cup Sprint last week, and he was scratched because trainer Richard Baltus was unhappy with the rail, and now he's, he's got post two, which is slightly better, but he's got the speed horse to his inside. Both Distinctive Passion and Big Mocker are candidates for Dubai. The Golden Shaheen, $2 million on March 28th, six furlongs, if they run well in this race. So it'll be interesting to see whether or not they do perform to expectation and whether they can go overseas. Remember, they have a dirt track at Maidan this year, and therefore there's a lot more support for, uh, for that to go uh, for, that, for, for American horses to go over to that race. So we'll see, uh, we'll see kind of how that unfolds, not only on Saturday, but beyond. So that's, it's going to be a, a very excellent race, a very exciting one as well. The prospects for the uh, ramifications in the sprint division are quite extensive, not only for just this day, but also looking forward, um, you know, over the next uh, three months and also uh, for, uh, for the rest of the year, too. Well, uh, Steve Anderson from the Daily Racing Forum, thanks so much for uh, for being on with us here on Winning Ponies. I appreciate so much of you taking time uh, out of your, your day to, to help us out and to give us this insight on the, tr- the horses training there and for these big races at Santa Anita. I want to thank Jeff Johnson from the Jockeys Guild for joining us, and I want to thank my producer, Michael, for bearing with me. Looks like I'm going to get out in time. Remember, <laughs> bet with your head. Not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.